If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bilch Network podcast. Randy, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super fired up for it. Yeah, glad to have you on. And we always like to go back to the very beginning because I can't imagine that you as a kid in kindergarten were like, when I grow up, I want to be in real estate. Um, what was the what was the early childhood like for you? What were you about money? What were you thinking about? If you were thinking about anything at that point, what was kind of your perspective and outlook on life growing up? Yeah, I grew up in a small town as a pretty low income family. So never really had super nice stuff and always watched a lot of people get nice things. Yeah. And that really motivated me when I was younger. As I started getting into high school and understanding about money and my other friends were able to borrow money from their parents to go for lunches and do more yeah. things, I didn't have that luxury. So it instilled some good things into me of learning how to earn your dollar and what it meant. And then at 16, I set some pretty hard goals for myself that I wanted to get a journeyman's electrical ticket. I was an electrician at the time or just starting to start my electrical career and then buy a house and buy a car and do all this stuff. And as I just started going through life and plucking away, it was, it was just all about hitting those goals and achieving them. So I've always just been motivated and driven. I was very fortunate to write my journeyman's electrical ticket at 22 years old. Yeah. I was very fortunate enough to buy my dream truck or one of my dream trucks at 23 years old. And then I bought a house at 24 years old. Yeah. So I accomplished everything, but that's what really got me started was that starting from the ground up, nothing was given to me and I hustled harder. And a lot of my friends would go out on Friday nights and I would stay in. And then Saturday mornings, I'd go work all day while they were hung over. And then by the time they woke up in the afternoon, I was good to go for a Saturday night. So I was working six days a week and getting uh, a lot of extra bank and got me ahead and it's definitely paid off today. Yeah, that, I'm always fascinated by the way people respond to their situation growing up because everyone I grew up around was either like lower middle class to like poor. It feels like everyone that I was around. And then there was like one or two friends whose dad like made six figures. You know, they were the rich dad, you know, on the block. And what I've seen happen between my friends and like myself, and there's a breakdown where either they let that kind of growing up become a limiting mindset of, Hey, you know, my parents are poor. There's no way to get out of this. I was dealt a bad hand. And then there's other people like you that go out and say, that was my motivation. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to do something different. Where do you think that mindset came from? Because it could have been a crutch and you could have stayed the rest of your life saying, man, you know, I wasn't a trust fund baby. So I guess I just gave up. So I lost my younger brother to sudden infant death when I was about three years old. Wow. And my dad at the time was just about to start a company. He was doing very well for himself. He was on that path to being close to doing the six figures in his own company. And when my brother passed away, he made the conscious decision. He basically said, like, I missed the seven months that my son was born because I was working so hard and now he's gone. I don't want to miss anything for my kids further. So he basically walked away from that career, got a job, worked Monday to Friday, nine to five, but was there for everything. 
he was on the, you know, the sidelines coaching my soccer games and he was supporting me and everything I did. So as I came up and started doing more and more, my dad was such a big supporter in do what you want to do. Like you're so young, live your dreams before you get married, before you have kids, experiment, go have fun. So as I was doing my electrical career, he really just kept instilling into me that place of get your ticket and then you can do whatever you want in life. It's like the simple fallback things. So as I started to gain that mindset that nothing could stop me at such a young age, that's all I was focusing on coming out of getting my electrical ticket. And unfortunately, I had another tragic accident where I lost one of my best friends just after I bought my house. And we were in talks to buy our electrical company together and we had everything. And then I got hit with another bam of, wow, life doesn't, you know, life can go at any time. Right. And if you don't pursue that dream, looking at my dad and looking at my best friend, they're, you know, kind of stuck in their careers. Their best friend was like 43 when he passed away and watching my dad live his life. I just went, wow, like I'm so young. I'm so spoiled right now. I could go start anything I wanted. And if it completely failed, I fall back to being an electrician, making 30 bucks an hour in right. the same spot that most people were. So I kind of had this chip on my shoulder where it was like, I'm just going to go try everything. And worst case scenario, I'm in the same position I was because I already had my house and I already had everything set up. So I was very fortunate to have parents that were very supportive in whatever I wanted to do, never pushed me to go be a doctor. All they said was get something that keeps you some security and then go explore your dreams. Yeah. Let's talk about that word security because security is a word that everyone throws out. And for most people, it means you have it, you have a 401k and that's about it. <laughs> that's most people's definition of security for you. Like hearing your story, being an electrician, making $30 an hour for some people, that is like the dream, you know, like that's, you're making 30 bucks an hour. That's great pay. You know, you've got a union in most cases, you've got all these benefits. What made you unsatisfied with that to say, there's gotta be a different thing here, or there's gotta be a different approach to life than security, this type of security. Yeah, it's a great question. And and the security was everything I wanted until I got to that point. So I got to a point where I got that journalist ticket. I bought that house. That was my security. But along the way, this my my mentor, best friend, he was my boss in the company I worked for. Every single day I showed up to work, he said, You have so much more potential mm-hmm. than just being an electrician. Like, why are you wasting your time being here? You right. have talent, you have skill, you're smart, you have a gift that you need to go do something with. And when he passed away, that's when I realized like the security wasn't in the job anymore. Mm. Because if if that was security, at 42, my life could be over and he had minimal money to leave behind, you know, uh, didn't even have a house and he was didn't really have a lot to give. And I was like, that sucks. Like, why is he in that situation? And then I look at my parents and look at them they don't have a retirement plan. All they had was equity in their home. Yeah. And that's what kind of started me to go down this path. Like all we think about is getting that security, get $30 an hour, but we don't think about the security. Like, I don't want to work till I'm 65. My dad's yeah. crippled right. and broken from being in the trades. Rob was crippled and broken from being in the trades. And I was on that path to be the same thing. The next thing above me was foreman and manager, and then I'm capped out. And so it became, the security really became in securing my own future not trusting somebody else. And so I actually liquidated all my RRSPs and a lot of my monies and my savings and invested it into the company, which has now created a lifetime of security for me that I control my future. 
I control where my money goes and I don't have to rely on somebody else for a paycheck. And I actually get to create that now. So I've shifted my mind from security of growing up, being get that job and get there. But then when you start seeing, you know, people pass away, you start asking older people, like you want to get uninspired to work, go talk to some trades, people that are 50 years old, spend a day or two with them and look how miserable they are. Look how grumpy they are. Look at them talk about finances. It is, it will just drive you to want to go do something completely different. And that's what it was for me working beside those guys every single day. I was like, I just don't want this life. I'm so young. I'm so talented. There's so much more I can do in this world. Let's go create my own security. And which is where I found real estate investing and started to build a portfolio of passive income and building that rich dad, poor dad lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bro, this is the conversation I've had with my wife since we've been married is that, you know, the minute you get married, I mean, it's bad enough when you're single, then you get married, you get like three X the advice from everybody. And, you know, we would go to these family lunches and everyone would be, you know, complaining about their mortgage payment. They'd be complaining about their job. They'd be complaining about their college bills, all these different things. And then they would turn when the conversation came to you and they'd be like, why don't you have a nine to five? Why don't you go buy a house? Why don't you go do this? Like basically giving us the same blueprint that they followed. And I told my wife, I was like, why would I take advice from people that hate their lives? It doesn't make any sense. And you know, that's such a huge thing. And like you said, talking to people that are down the road and seeing where they're at is such a big perspective shift, you know, and you're not going to be any different, especially if you're doing the trading hours for dollars kind of lifestyle. Like you're going to cap out at that role and that's it. <laughs> like, hope you enjoyed your life. I, I have a, a story around that. So when I started on this entrepreneurial journey, I studied a lot of successful people on the way, listened to podcasts, listened to books, and everyone's saying, invest in mentors, invest in programs, get around like-minded people. And so I invested in a $2,000 training program. And while I was there, they had the opportunities to um, sell you into a $15,000 training program right. to learn. And I was doing the math in my head. I was like, $15,000. If I flip one house, right. I'd probably make $15,000. But I'm going to have a skill set that'll allow me to run for the rest of my life. Yeah. And who was the first person I called when I wanted to know this? I called my parents who yeah. were broke and didn't right. have money and had their house. And they're like, well, that's a bad investment. You could, you know, $15,000, that's a good savings. You should put that in your RSPs. I called my boss who runs a company and d doesn't have anything for him. He's like, dude, that's a scary investment. I don't know if you should do that. Right. And then I made one phone call to one guy that I met that was in real estate investing. I met him through my work and I said, hey, I know he just started chatting and he kind of, he had a little thing for me and, and a little soft spot to help me out. Right. I was like, I have an opportunity. What is this? He said, walk me through the opportunity. And I said, it's $15,000. It's a training program. I'm going to learn it. He says, what are you going to do with it? So I'm going to come out. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to make my money back and then have the skill set for the rest of my life. Even if I hate real estate, I'll learn how to flip houses, make money. And it's a skill set. Yeah. And he said, the way I look at that, if you can make $15,000 back in real estate, you now have an infinite ROI on the skill that you've learned. And you yeah. can go make as much money as you want. And everything above that $15,000 positive influence on you. And that was the biggest turning point for me was who do I ask advice from? The people that were had what I wanted gave me the advice I needed and the people that didn't have what I wanted told me to walk away. And from that moment, we went to go spend, I think like $150,000 on training and education, masterminds, and nobody understands it. And that's why we're able to go make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Right. And these other people are still trying to work for $80,000. Exactly. And to me, that is one of the 
coolest mindset shifts and money mindset shifts that we had was that one conversation where it was like, mom, boss, mentor. And mentor took me in the direction I need to go. And I just walked around with him and was able to really see the benefits of hanging out with people that had that kind of influence. Yeah, nobody understands it, but nobody has the results that you're getting. <laughs> so they're all naysayers and they're also not living that lifestyle. I, I want to talk about that mentor aspect because obviously, I mean, your best friend and mentor that passed, that was someone who helped you get along so far in your journey, even yeah. your parents that got you so far. Then you got to a point where you grow to a point where that advice isn't going to help you go any further. So you have to look for new mentors. Again, I mean, this is a period in your story where, you know, someone passing who's that important to you can be a major roadblock. You know, it can be just emotionally. It's a place where you could stop, you know, and how did you go about finding new mentors? And you mentioned people that are where you want to go. You know, for a lot of people listening to this, for myself, there's periods in life where you need someone to show you the way, but who is that person? How do I audit if they're the right person? Because I've never done it. So I don't know if they're blowing smoke, if they're giving accurate, you know, advice. How did you go about finding the next mentor for that next level? Two, two parts here. So the first part was in my industry of the electrical industry, I worked and did a lot of stuff for people that were building rental properties yeah. and had a lot of wealth. And I specialized in wiring multi-million dollar homes. And so I'm sitting there working for $30 an hour. My boss is getting paid 60 and these people are spending millions of dollars on their home. And so I just asked them, I got, you know, pretty close to them and started asking, what got you here? How'd you get here? So I started asking questions in that industry. And that's what sparked the curiosity to understand that there's a significant difference in education from wealth. So as I started growing in this industry, I started asking more and more people of how did you do it? How did you do it? And being young, a lot of people love helping young people out. If you're 22, 23 years old and you're starting to ask, you know, people that are building multi-million dollar homes, how do I do the same? What do I need to do? What does this look like? That's where I really started to get that experience of wanting to get further. And then getting into some masterminds was the next step for us. And we joined a mastermind and got surrounded by so many like-minded people where we became the smallest fish in a uh, big pond, yeah. right? Steve and I were just starting to make six figures. That was the goal. And yeah, you go to right. these conferences and meetups and you start talking to people where they make six figures a week. And you're like, what do you mean? Like six figures a month. And you're just like, holy smokes, there is so much world out there that we don't know about. And so my advice now for a lot of people is what I've done is I don't just follow it for money now. I follow it for my life. So I have three components of what I follow. One is my personal life. What do I want my personal life to look like? So I only follow one influencer for each part of my life or try and get around those kinds of people. So I surround myself with Jesse Itzler for my personal life. The guy runs marathons. He's a billionaire, but he still gives everything. He has a thing called the build your life resume. So it's all about building your life resume and doing that. That's who I want to learn under. That's who I want to mentor under. And even though I'm not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to hang out with him, I'm following him on social media. I'm inspired by it. I buy his products. I got a calendar. I do that. So my business side, or sorry, from my personal side, I follow Jesse Itzer. From my business side, I believe in giving. That's, I want to build four purpose businesses, businesses that give back. And there's nobody better than that than Cole Hatter. So I got into Cole Hatter's mastermind and immersed myself with this content and did everything for him to learn how I can start building my business and giving back at the same time. 
So I cut everybody else out around my business. And I'm like, this is the guy I want to learn business from. Obviously, there's other influences. That's what it is. And then my, I call it my giving side, but it's my passion side is Charlie Rocket. And he has literally sold his life and started touring. That's what I love to do. That's my end dream. So when you ask the question of how, who are my mentors and how do you get around those circles, you can pay for mentors, but you can also find them on social media. But the problem I think is so many people try and find too many. They have 10, 15 people. I like Grant Cardone. I like Brad Lee. I like Jesse Yitzer and this. Cool. I have three guys that I follow everything they do immersely because that's the life I want to live. They're doing everything I want. And then I bring in other people to supplement how I want to go about getting there in that lifestyle. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, love that. Love that. Well, talk to me a little bit about stepping into real estate because obviously that's something that it, it's a mysterious world for anyone who hasn't stepped into it. You know, it's like you see a Grant Cardone, you're like, how's that even humanly possible? You know, and then you see people struggling through, oh, I bought a flip and it was a horrible experience. You know, like, how did you get your foot into that world? Obviously there were mentorships, you were following advice from people, but what was your first kind of move in the real estate space? Was it a successful, positive experience? Did you learn a lot? Cause it was really bad. How did it kind of go in the beginning? Yes, yeah, I took this program. I paid $15,000 to be a part of it, but it put me in a room with people that wanted to spend $15,000 as well. Yeah. When we finished that, I looked in the room and I saw people that had a lot of capital. I didn't have any money. I just bought my house. I couldn't get into real estate because I had no money. So in this room, when they asked who here wants to be what's called a working partner, renovate properties, do that kind of stuff, that was me. I put my hand up. The other half of the room, they said, who here wants to just invest and do nothing? half the room put their arm up. So what I did is I saw who put their arms up, quick mental note, 
And after I went and approached all these people and said, hey, I'd love to go for coffee. I'd love to hang out. And what we realized is that there was actually a group of people that wanted to get together that were in this room. So my business partner and I started a monthly meetup. And that's actually what started taking us in is that gave us the credibility because we were young. I was 25 at the time. My business partner was 27. Who's going who's gonna to want to invest with those kinds of people? I don't have a ton of real estate experience. You're super young. And so running the meetup became credible. And we bring guest speakers in to speak. We had no clue what we were doing, but we knew the speakers. So we stood in the front of the room and said, hey, here's your speaker. Here you go. And they would speak. And then we go up and say, thanks for speaking. If you have any questions, email us and we'll answer it right. when we get back. And then we go Google it. And that's how we started building some credibility. And from there, we were able to gain some stature. And from there, we just got investors. So then we go find the properties and then we just got really good at pitching deals. And that's something I think is the most underrated skill in real estate is sales, not, not selling homes, selling yourself to investors, selling deals to people. If you have a good enough deal, people will invest money in it. No doubt about it. And we're examples of that. We, after we did that, we closed three properties in four months and we went on to go raise our next property after that three properties before. So our fourth property was someone that wrote a million dollar check for us. Wow. Like, like it was surreal. We didn't even understand how it went, but it was just buying single family homes, putting suites in them, making enough money on them so that investors felt comfortable, writing checks for us, going and doing the work and delivering on our reputation and uh, our credibility. And the meetup is essentially what grew us to be where we are. So getting some authority in the industry really helped us out. Yeah, it blows my mind how many people in the real estate space, like their only interaction with the public is like, Hey, new listing or, or, Hey, here's the thing I'm working on. And they don't yeah. focus on building community around them. It, it seems, and maybe it's cause you know, we do build your network and like, that's kind of my mindset on everything. I'm just like, man, if I was in the real estate space, that would be my number one investment would be like, how do you do a meetup? How do you build a Facebook community? How do you, how do you do a podcast? How do you do it? Like, how do you bring value to a network of people that actually can bring in the money for these deals. And it's such a no brainer, <laughs> but you don't see a lot of people doing it. Yeah. No, nobody does it. And a lot of it is just, I'll say confidence for us to step into that space. We knew we needed to do something. I had a trades background. My business partner had a sales background. It was kind of a no brainer for us to go for it. And I mean, we've gone on to like just last year, we used to think like $11 million last mm -hmm. year. Yeah. And that is 100% purely through building a network, getting around people, running a meetup. We run a Facebook group with 2000 members in it. Now we train, we taught, we poured our souls out for free for four years yeah. of just trying to become the guys in the industry that people wanted to trust. And we built my dad, going back to my dad, one of the things he told me when I was going on my own is he said, just build your reputation, not your bank account. Cause you can never get that back, but you can always rebuild your bank account. Right. And so we approached every deal, every meetup, everything we did is always about building our reputation and how we can have the cleanest brand, be the most trustworthy guys that people want to be involved with, want to talk with. And that's just continued on into everything we've done. And I think it was a big component to why we've had so much success. I'm curious before we move into kind of the, the networking conversation, what's the balance in your mind to, you know, figure it out as you go? Because obviously in the beginning, you don't know as much. You're bringing in speakers, things like that, but also, you're getting credibility really rapidly doing that. What's the balance between faking it till you make it and, you know, 
just going and learning as you do it? Because some people obviously are really good at the faking part, especially in the real estate world. Where do you draw that line to where it's like an ethical, hey, we're going to take action, even though we don't know all the pieces yet? That was something we struggled with a lot was at what point are you selling yourself on something that you actually aren't, but also speaking into existence what you actually are. And, and so a lot of the time, the ethic part that made us feel good was the fact that we had mentors, we had spent money to get to where we are, but people didn't see how hard we worked. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like we were just walking around saying, oh, this is this. We were working full time when we started this, Monday to Friday, eight to four, but we were studying from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Then we'd listen to podcasts at work and do whatever we could. And then we'd come home and then we'd research deals and study and do everything from five to 10 o'clock at night. And then we'd dream about it and sleep about it. So it wasn't like we were just faking it to get ahead. Yeah. We, we had the most insane passion about what we wanted to do. And I think that's why we were able to sell ourselves in a way that we did because we truly knew what we wanted. We truly wanted to be in this industry, helping people. And we loved every part of it. And we knew so much. Like it wasn't, if we didn't know something, we wouldn't lie about it. We'd say, hey, that's a great question. Let me go back and find an answer for you. But we'd have an answer for them within a few hours. It's not like it would take us days to get back to them. We went home, we studied, we pounded, we called our mentors, we got the answer and we got it for them and said, hey, this is how hard we're willing to work to get you an answer. This is how we're willing to work to get you a deal. And so that was probably one of the biggest things for us along the way was just our relentless pursuit of chasing our dreams was what it was all about. Nothing about money, nothing is about just about true passion of wanting to become entrepreneurs. Well, I think you've probably answered this question for the last like 30 minutes we've been talking, uh, but we ask everybody that comes on the show, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Feels like it's almost a waste of time to ask you because I think the answer is clear, but what would you say to that? And uh, how has that kind of played out? I mean, within your own mission and, and journey? Yeah, honestly, I would have to say it's who you know, because it was who I got connected to pushed me to go to where I want to go. It was as simple as like, I can be an electrician. That's what I know. But it was who I met on those job sites that inspired me to go somewhere else where I could learn the skill to do that thing. But if I didn't meet those people, I would have never pushed myself or learned about uh, real estate in a way or never would have got that advice that I needed to get. So I can learn real estate all day long. But if I didn't have people that I looked up to and supported me to push me and continue to grow my interest in that space, I would have never got there. So for me, it's got to be who you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is huge. And I know we're, I know we're getting near the end of our time here, but a big piece of your brand that's, I think, unique is giving back. You mentioned that earlier. And there's a lot of people that go, how do I network to the next level up who can do something for me? But there's not a lot of people who would, even if they listed three values of theirs, giving, you know, might not make that first three or five or 10 things that they list out, you know? So why is giving so important to you, first of all? And how has that become a part of your brand, like networking down and helping people who need it, giving back to people who aren't at the level that you're at or aren't, you know, three levels ahead where you want to be? Why has that become such a big part of your of your brand? Yeah, it was just after uh, we got that million dollar check to go renovate one of the properties. I remember sitting there and I just felt so unfulfilled in what I was doing. I was passionate about doing what I wanted to do but I wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing. Right. And I got sent a podcast, ironically enough. And, and it was about this guy who 
made a ton of money, lost it all, went down to Mexico and found his purpose down there. He loved serving, but realized he didn't have the capacity to just continue to do that. He was like, why? These people are satisfied with $20 a day. I can go back to the States. I can go make insane amount of monies again. And then I can just donate it all down there and it literally change lives. Yeah. And he explains that some people are put on this earth to go serve. Other people are put on this earth to go make a ton of money so that those other people can go serve. Right. And I heard that and I was like, dude, that's me. I was put on this earth to go make as much money as I can and then to give it all away to people that want it. And from that moment, my purpose inside real estate changed drastically. My drive grew and I just felt so inspired every day to show up. You know, those long days I was talking about, they wear on you. But when you start adding a purpose to it, it doesn't. Like I'm more jacked up now about the businesses we're doing, the growth we have going on than I have been in the past five years. And it's because everywhere we go, we touch somebody or something. You know, when you you hear the saying that, you know, money can't buy you happiness. Dude, we went down to Mexico and bought cheeseburgers for kids that had been sexually trafficked. And they were the happiest people on the planet. Made me the happiest person. And it cost me $5. Yeah. So part two of that is so many people think you have to have so much money before you can start giving. We challenge that and say, why don't you start giving today? Put it as a line item in your business. We have a line item on our properties that we own, our cash flow donates every single month to charity. And it might not mean a lot to you, but example is like for our five plex, we donate $10 a door every single month. So we donate 50 bucks a month, 600 bucks a year. To you might mean like absolute nothing. For us, we donate that property to Kids Sport Victoria. That's two and a half kids get paid to go through sports every single year from us. When you start putting perspective of this property puts kids through sports, now I have a whole different perspective of how I want to run that property, how I want to operate it. Mm. And it's really just motivated and inspired us to do so much more. And now even to expand that thinking and process out to other people. So they start seeing the same thing. And you ask, how do I pass that down through uh, different various things? We run a mastermind. And part of that is going in there and inspiring them to start giving, inspiring them to do more, passing on our knowledge to them, supporting them. And there's so many different ways that you can give from a dollar figure to a mentor program right. to just serving somebody for free. Guarantee you, man, if you go find a young kid who's a hustler and you spend a few days with them, give them all your knowledge, you'll be so happy. Giving comes in many different forms, but just giving serves so many needs for me. Yeah. And it's addictive too. Like uh, one of the things that I love, you know, talking with you, you know, is that there's this element of you guys have mentioned before, if you're in the middle class, like you're a super selfish group, you know, because there is this like idea that if you want to give really big, you got to go really big, you know, and you guys have a podcast, obviously go big to give big. And it's such a different mindset to have of man. Okay. Yeah. I can pay for you know, a kid to do this, or I can pay for this group of kids to do this, or I can give to this charity. It's yeah, but if I make more, think about how many more kids I could help and how many more people that I could serve. It's a really cool feeling. Yeah. Go Big to Get Big came directly from our meetup where it was a free meetup. We came back home and we said from a conference we were at with the same guy, Cole Hatter, and we came home and we're like, how can we make money from this and donate it? And we're like, it's free. Why don't we just charge $10 at the door? Donate it kids for Victoria. Yeah. Like simple, easy. We had about 25, 30 people showing up every single month. And we were happy with that. At the yeah. time, it, it was like, that's good. 
But then we came home, okay, so we're donating 250 bucks a month. That's one kid through sport. We're like, why don't, wouldn't it be cool to donate $1,000 a month? Now we're starting to get somewhere. So then the mission became, let's put hundred people in the room to donate $1,000 a month. We got 10 times, this is just us, but we got 10 times more motivated to put people in that room when we had a thousand dollar donation that we wanted to achieve. If we went in there and said, hey, we want to put a hundred people in this room so you guys can all see our investments and you guys can all see what we do. You're like, ah. When you go start talking to people and you start saying, we need you to come, hey, I don't care if you even like real estate, pay 10 bucks and come hang out the the room. room. Boom, pack that room. And so our business blew up with it. And that was how we started that. And then now it's just transpired into what you said of the middle classes, who one of the most selfish people just becomes. If you make $80,000 a year, you have a great lifestyle, but you don't have enough money to feel like you can give. And you don't have enough time because you're typically working 50 hours a week, probably. And- you want to spend time with your family and other things. So if you don't have time and you don't have money, but you have nice things, that's where that conversation comes from is how can you start getting away from that selfish mindset to even start making a $5 donation every single month when you get your paycheck to a charity or cause that inspires you to start getting out of the mindset of, I don't make enough money to donate and I don't have enough time to go give, flip that around and find a way to get it to work. Yeah. Love it, man. Well, I know we're at the end of our time here, so I'm going to move us into our random round. I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions with some cool. quick answers. First, what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Honestly, if I couldn't do this, I would be an electrician. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things. I just get it and I just love it. Shocking answer. If you could sit on a bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Honestly, it'd be Tiger Woods. The guy's faced so much resiliency in his life. He's made a lot of mistakes and he's came back from it every single time. And I would love to learn how you can make mistakes and then still come back and be a, a professional. Love it. How do you like to learn best? Books, blogs, podcasts? What's your favorite way to consume information? I've been hard on audiobooks lately. No. Hard on them. Yeah, love it. Give me a glimpse of your morning. Wake up. Do a little bit of meditation around five o'clock in the morning, six days a week. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I do a little meditation, go to the gym. I do alternate between gymming and running. Love running to clear my mind and then come back home. Nothing special, nothing crazy. Just simple, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of stretching and then uh, a good solid workout. What do you do on the seventh day of the week? Do you just not set an alarm? Do you get up like an hour later? I, I don't set an alarm and it's part of my deal with my girlfriend that uh, she gets one day a week where I don't wake up to an alarm, but I typically wake up at six o'clock anyways. <laughs> right, gotcha. What is one thing you're, or what's your go-to? See, I'm a country guy, so I, okay. my pump up songs don't really match up to what normal people get pumped up to, but I'm a big Thomas Rhett fan. So anything Thomas Rhett, I've been crushing his new album, just gets me jacked up. What is one thing that you're not? Honestly, listening. I have a horrible thing when I, it's ADD of sorts where I just can't focus when someone's talking to me. And it, it is one of the hardest things I have to do is actually like physically, like you have to listen without actually being distracted is one of my hardest things. Gotcha. Gotcha. And last question, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the number one place online to do that? Probably Instagram is the place I've been spending a lot of time now and answering a lot of DMs and supporting a lot of people there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Build Your Network podcast. Really appreciate it. And for anyone listening, be sure to check the show notes of this episode and uh, you'll have all the links to connect with Randy and find out more about what he's doing over there. But uh, Randy, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. 
Awesome. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.